Hey, Reach Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message continues our series, Redeemed, with Pastor Omar Lopez in a message about failing Jesus. Enjoy this message. Appreciate all of you being here today. We're glad uh, you're in the house of God today. I said, I'm glad you're in the house of God today. In fact, why don't you turn to someone and say, you're in the right place at the right time right now. And so I, you guys need to excuse me today. I have a little bit of a cough, okay? I tested negative, though. I just want you to know that. And so uh, I want to say to all of you today, we're in a season, not a cycle. And so we've been here before. We've seen this happen. People, you know, all this. And people will come back and everybody will be well. So it's not time to panic. It's time to pray. Amen. And uh, we're not full of fear. We're full of faith. So I'm glad you guys are here today. And we have lots of people online from our church that is watching, and many of them will be back on Wednesday, and then come Sunday again, we're going to get right back to going what we're doing, and we're going to reschedule that baptism. We just felt that if some people are out, that they were going to miss out, so we'll reschedule that, and we'll keep it going, all right? We'll just keep it going. So folks, let's believe God for some great things. Um, let me just say that we're in this series called Redeemed. And most of you know what redeemed is, but I'll just kind of define it for you. Redeemed means to buy back or to repurchase or to ransom back. And this really defines our salvation. Jesus came, he died on the cross and shed his blood and he ransomed us back. Basically, he paid the price for our sin. That's why we could be called sons and daughters of God. He redeemed us. He reclaimed us. He renewed us. He restored us. How many know God, the God of restoration? And so God heals us of our sins. He mends our broken lives this morning. He sets us free from addictions. Uh, He sets us free from things that have us bound. And he creates something new in us. He redeems us. He renews our mind. He renews our heart. He pulls us out of that marvelous, uh, uh, out of that darkness into his marvelous light. So I'm going to read this verse of scripture here. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. I need to not be preaching so much because otherwise I'm going to start coughing. So I'm going to, I need to lower it down. Is that all right? I'm going to lower it down a little bit here. I'm getting excited already. So in him it says, we have redemption through the blood. There's that word redemption. He basically redeemed us. He reclaimed us, restored us. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. It's all because of the grace of God. So, Father, I pray today for every person that is in this room today. I pray for those that are watching online. And I pray that the word of God would just come alive. The word of God would unfold in their minds and hearts today. Lord, that you'll remove any obstacle, anything that uh, is kind of blocking or even kind of diverting them or distracting them right now. Remove that distraction. And God, I pray the word of God that would just speak to lives today. I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word. Because your word is relevant in 2022. It's relevant for decades and thousands of years. In fact, your word never fails. So I pray, God, today that the people would hear the voice behind the voice. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. So if you missed last week, I talked about Moses. 
And what I said about Moses is that Moses kind of lost his way because he kind of jumped the gun. He did some things he wasn't supposed to do. And one of the main things he did is he murdered a man. And so he went on the run. And Moses felt at that point that he had forfeited his destiny. He felt at that point like God was not going to use him again, that he had missed his opportunity and there was no way the Lord was going to use him ever again. And yet we see God's redemption. God restores Moses, sends him back to Egypt. And we know the story. Uh, he thought he had reached a point of no return and he was living in regret and God uses and turns everything around and Moses becomes uh, this great deliverer. And today, I want to talk about something that all of us in this room, if you'll just be honest, say honest. Got to be honest with yourself. There's so many of us, we're just, we're lying, man. I mean, you're, you're lying. You, you put on this face like you're all that, and you're not all that. And you're just lying, you know. And, and uh, you, you, you're fooling yourself because you're not fooling God. And a lot of times, you're not even fooling people. Uh, and so what I want to talk about today is some personal failure. And it's about to get real. I'm going to get real this morning because all of us today, you've experienced some personal failure in your life. And let me just explain this. You've let yourself down. You've let somebody else down. And I'll just get even more real. You let God down. You didn't act the way you were supposed to act. You didn't do the things you were supposed to do. And you feel the weight of that. And unfortunately... From one time or another, you feel like, man, I'm so, I've felt so many times. I don't know if I can even get back. And I don't know about you, but maybe some of you this morning, you've broken a vow. You made a promise to someone and you broke it. You made a vow to God and you broke it. You made a vow and a commitment to somebody and you didn't fulfill it. In fact, you're here today and you have this weight on you because you, you've let someone down that was very significant in your life and you feel like, man, miserable. In fact, you've even felt God and you feel miserable about it. You could be in a place right now where you've neglected your marriage and because you've neglected your marriage, you feel the weight of what's going on in your marriage right now and you say, man, I failed there. I'll just get even more real. Can I just get real today? You didn't take care of your body in the past, and now you're suffering some illnesses, and you're living in regrets that I should have took care of myself better. All of these things begin to weigh on us. Maybe you're under a financial mountain right now of debt because you made some bad financial uh, decisions, and you failed to be a good steward of your money, and right now you could use that money that you wasted on stuff. That you shouldn't have spent this and you shouldn't have did this and you shouldn't have put that on credit. And you did all of that. Now you're living in regret. told you it's about to get real this morning. I'll get even more real. You were so hard on your kids. Some of us were too hard on our kids. You became too strict. You overdid it. You were trying to be very disciplined as your kids were growing up. But now your kids don't want to have anything to do with you. And you were only trying to do the right thing, but you realized you went way overboard. Some of it could be very simple. You had a dream. You wanted to do something in your life. Uh, You had all of these plans. uh, But because of some of your decisions, you're wondering, man, I'm not in the place where I want to be. I'm not living in the place. In fact, man, I thought I'd be further along in life. I feel like a failure. 
Man, the older I get, I realize, man, I should be a lot more ahead. How in the world did I get here? Don't raise your hand. How many can relate to this today? Some of you say, man, I thought my life would be a lot more better. And so to you, I'm going to say there's redemption. I said there's redemption for you today. And I want to look at a story of a guy that really blew it royal. I mean, talk about he probably blew it more royal than anyone I know in, in the Bible. And when you read this, when we, when we read his story, most of us know this story, but I'm going to kind of get into it this morning because I want you to really relate to it. I'm going to talk about a guy named Peter. Peter, honestly, he failed. He betrayed God. He betrayed Jesus. And he was the disciple of Jesus. The reality is this. Peter deserved to be counted out. Peter deserved to just be, you know what? Forget you, man. But Jesus restored him. Thank God for redemption. Thank God for grace. And so I know some of you that are going to listen to this message that are hearing me online, those that are sitting out here today, I want you to just begin to think about what God wants to say to you about redemption because all of us this morning, we have failed in life at some place and somewhere, some decision. And I want to just say to you that God can turn your failures into stepping stones to success in your future because we serve a God of redemption. And this morning, I'm going to get real, like I have been talking about some subjects here that all of us can relate to. And so I'm going to talk about Peter, and there's two mistakes that Peter made. Now, he made many mistakes, but I'm going to emphasize two mistakes that he made. And I want to get right into this story because I believe all of us this morning can relate. And I'm going to take you to the Garden of Gethsemane here, the Garden of Gethsemane, right before the crucifixion. Jesus had been arrested, and we pick up the story here in Luke chapter 22, verse 54. And it said, then seizing Jesus, they seized him, they arrested him, and they led him away, and they took him into the house of the high priest. Now, what I want you to know in this particular verse here is when they took him into the house of the high priest, they begin to question him. They begin to accuse him of things. You could read the rest of that story and some of the other gospels, and it's there that they blindfold him. It's there that they hit him across the face. They mistreat him, and Jesus is not looking the same way he, he, when he went in as when he walked out. And the Bible says this. Now listen, listen very carefully what it says. Peter followed at a distance. I want you to remember that. Because many people, they want to follow God. But when you follow at a distance, you're going to get in trouble. And that's exactly what the Bible says. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard, then, then he sat down together And Peter sat down with them. So here's the problem. Jesus is following, or Peter is following Jesus at a distance. And now he's sitting down in the enemy's camp. And here he is making the the very mistake that most of us do is when we follow at a distance, we start hanging around with the wrong crowd. So a couple of things I want to make. I want to make this first point. And I want you to write this down. Is number one, Peter overestimated his strength. He overestimated how strong he was. 
Because he followed at a distance. See, when you're at a distance, you think you're stronger than you really are. Because if you, if you didn't feel that, you'd be a lot more closer. But because you're at a distance, that means you're a little bit more self-confident than you should be. And so the Bible says, again, that he followed at a distance, telling me that he overestimated his strength. That was the biggest cause of his failure. When you think you're stronger than you really are. When you think you're all that in a bag of chips. How many of you bet people like that? Oh, I can handle this. I can do that. And, and I can handle that temptation. And, and I want you to know this morning, you're being deceived. Listen to me, it gets even more detailed in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, here, here is Peter at the Last Supper, okay, right before they go into the garden. He's at the Last Supper, and Jesus begins to talk about what's going to happen. He begins to prophesy. He said, look, guys, I want you to know what's going to happen. They're going to arrest me tonight, and I'm going to be crucified uh, but I'm going to let you know, I'm going to come back, I'm going to rise again. And, and this is how Jesus starts it off. This is a heavy conversation. Talk about being honest. Matthew 26, verse 31. This is what Jesus said. Tonight, every one of you will desert me. That's pretty heavy. Every single one of you, you're going to let me down tonight. All of you are going to turn your back on me. I'm talking about all 12. See, most of us haven't read the scripture. We thought, oh, it's just Peter. All 12 of them, Jesus, calling them all out in the carpet. All of you guys, this small group, this connect group right here, you're all <laughs> going to turn your back on me. That's pretty heavy, huh? That's what he said. You're all going to desert me. Not just a few of you. You're all going to desert me. And this is what he said. For the scripture says that when the shepherd is killed, the sheep will scatter. But after I've been raised from the dead, thank God he did raise from the dead after three, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Then this is the problem right here. Then Peter spoke up. See, this is when you think you're stronger than you really are. But Lord, even if everyone else fails you, I will never deny you. Never say never. Jesus replied, Peter, the truth is, there he is, being honest, that before the night is over and before the rooster crows at dawn, you will deny me three times. Yeah, that's right. Peter insisted, but Lord, I would never do that. Even if I have to die with you. I'll never deny knowing you. And then look at what it says. And all the other disciples vowed the same thing. You hear that? So all of them are in on this thing. They're all vowing. They're all talking the big talk. I'm with you, man. Yeah, I got your back, Jesus. And as soon as they come and arrested, they all ghost Jesus, man. They're gone. Nobody's connected. No, who, who, no, not me. I was just, you know, I was just watching. I'm a spectator. I, I don't even know what's going on here. And this is Jesus has prophesied that Jesus has made it clear. And, and they all said the same thing, basically, that Peter said. They just said, yes, yes. Now, although Peter was the most verbal, they all deserted Jesus when he needed them. And you may have never seen this, but I want you to know they all fell to pieces at the end, the reality is, just be honest, all the disciples failed Jesus that night. And the reality is, as believers, we've all failed God at one time or another. 
And again, Peter stands out because he boldly spoke up that day and he was verbal about it. Notice three different times Peter said, I'll never do this. I'll never do that. And, and, and Jesus looked at Peter and said, man, before the rooster crows, you've denied me not one time, not two times, not three, but three, uh, three times, not just once, but three times. Because why? Peter had overestimated his strength. A lot of battles are lost. A lot of armies have lost battles because they overestimated their strength. A lot of people have failed in life because they overestimated their strength. A lot of people have failed in their job because they overestimated their strength. A lot of people have flunked school because they overestimated their strength. They weren't properly prepared as they thought they were. A lot of people have failed in business because they overestimated their strength. A lot of spouses have fallen into adultery because they overestimated their strength. They said, oh, just a little flirty. You know, I'm just, it's harmless. I'm just having fun. And then before they know it, it's a nightmare. Because they overestimated their strength. They said, oh, we're just kind of talking. No, it's going to get you. Beware. Here's what the scripture says, 1 Corinthians 10, 12. If you think I'm strong, I can handle this. Man, I've heard a lot of, script, a lot of Christians say this. I'll never fall for that temptation. Then be careful for you you could easily fall too. So the Bible says all of us, not just one person or another person, all of us this morning, you need to be careful how strong you think you really are. Don't be, don't be naive. Don't be so self-confident. None of us are exempt. Any of us can fall into sin, including myself. I'm capable of sin. So are you. You're capable of sin, so am I. All of us this morning, if we're not careful, we think we're stronger than we realize. Man, given the right situation, given the right timing, all of us are vulnerable. You need to be on guard. You need to be careful that you don't overestimate your strength. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. Who could know it? Stop kidding yourself. It's not a game. There are certain guidelines, there are certain boundaries that I put around myself that are necessary because you know what? I don't even trust myself. I need to trust God. I got boundaries. Are you with me? I've, I've got to be careful. I, and I don't play with those boundaries. You're only going to get so close. Hey, you know what? Hey, you know, we're going to keep our distance. I love you. Amen. I care about you. Are you listening to me? But we're good, but there's boundaries. You got you to keep those boundaries because all of us are capable of sinning and messing up and falling short. Somebody say amen. amen. We're all capable, listen to me, of a terrible sin. How do I know that? Because there's stories and stories of people in the Bible that show you men and women of God that were powerful, but they overestimated their strength and they fell into sin. I know people personally, friends and people that I know that men were great men and women of God, but because they overestimated their strength in a vulnerable moment, it got them. Look at what the scripture said, Matthew 7, 27, and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell. Look what it says, and great was the fall of it. Great was that fall. What a terrible fall. 
And unfortunately, I've been around people that have experienced that fall, and great was that fall. Because why? We overestimate our strength. And again, sometimes we could even misuse our strength because we tend to guard our weaknesses. Now, that's okay. You know, you know you're weak in that place, so you say, I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to do that. That's good. But then you don't pay attention to your strengths. And your strength could be like you're a very talkative person, you're very too, very friendly, but maybe you're too talkative, maybe you're too friendly, and an unguarded strength becomes a double weakness. So sometimes you're paying attention to your weaknesses, but you're not paying attention to your strength, and it becomes a double weakness. So you need to be careful, you need to balance it out, but watch yourself, be careful, understand that all of us are vulnerable. Too long of a hug, too long of a handshake. Then pride gets in. And the very area that you had a major victory in is exactly the place where you stumble in next. I told you it was going to get real this morning because I, I want us to start the new year off right. Realize that things can get you, you can be vulnerable. And if you're not careful, you can fail just like Peter. And he fell big time because he let his guard down. Don't ever let your guard down. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how great things are going, how much you read the Bible, how much you pray, how much you jump up and down. Praise God for all of that. I'm excited for you. But don't let your guard down. Keep your guard up. Okay? You know, because sometimes after a great victory... Comes your greatest temptation. Remember when Jesus, uh, the Bible says that Jesus uh, got baptized, and when he got baptized, when he came up out of the water, uh, the heavens opened up, and God said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Man, what a victory that day. But right after that, Jesus finds himself in the wilderness being tempted. So right after a victory, you can find your greatest temptation. Yeah, rejoice in it, but keep your guard up. Thank God for the victory, but I'm keeping my guard up. Never presume that you know everything. Never presume that you're strong. Never presume. Man, never overestimate your strength. Peter, listen to me. Peter, after being in the Last Supper with Jesus, he eats his last meal there with Jesus. I mean, man, the presence of Jesus. Jesus washes his feet. I would say that's great intimacy. I would say that's great victory. But not soon after that, later on in the night, he denies him three times. So from victory came denial. We have to be very careful, keep our guard up. Second thing, and I'm going to go back to this. He followed Jesus at a distance. He followed Jesus at a distance. Some of you right now really need to hear this at this moment. And I pray today, and lovingly I pray, that God will convict you. Because some of you right now, you're following Jesus, but man, you're following him from a distance. The reality is we could choose how close we want to be to Jesus. Some people want to be very close, and some people are more comfortable following at a distance. See, I'm, I'm going I'm to use that metaphor for a moment. Can I do that? You want the word of God. You want the Holy Spirit. You want all of these things, and that's great, and quite honestly, it's great, 
But, but here's the problem. We get too comfortable at following him at a distance. It's almost like I want all the blessings, but I just want to be comfortable. I just want, you know, I, I want the fire insurance. I don't want to go to that hot place, you know. I don't want to be in hell. But, 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 I, but I, I, don't want to get, I don't want to get too close to Jesus. It's going to cost me too much. He's going to demand too much from me. And so we don't want to get too close to Jesus. Uh, we just want to be close enough where we get the blessings, uh, and, and we, but we want to stay the distance. And I'm telling you today, when you do that, you become more vulnerable than anything. I don't know about you, man, but when there's a great venue, I want to be at the front. I want to be. Yeah. How many have ever been to the Dodger game? Anybody? I don't know if you guys. I love, I love, I love the Dodgers, and so... Uh, I've been to the Dodger game where I was in the nosebleed section. And I mean, I, I was glad to be at the game. I was glad to watch it. But I said, my goodness, I, I, I need to get closer. So for years, I, I worked for a company. And uh, basically, I was by home plate, just a couple of rows up. And I would take my kids, man, and, and I go, now this is watching the game. You know, and I, enjoy, you know, I, I, I enjoyed the hot dog just a little bit more. <laughs> what is that? What is that? Cooly coos, whatever it is, and the churros and whatever. I, I, I was a lot happier because I could see the whole thing, man. I could see how fast the ball was coming, and I, I would say, man, this is nice. This is really nice. Uh, this is great. And, and and what was that? Because I, I, I realized how great of a game it was. I realized it was just a, a, an honor, you know, just exciting to be there. And I wanted to get up close. I didn't want to be up in the nosebleed section. And I'm telling you today, when we come to the house of God, when we want to be in the house of God, we want to be up in the front. We want to be up, uh, not in the nosebleed section, right? No, I'm not, again, I'm not criticizing those in the back over there, okay? What I'm saying is you want to be up close. Can I be honest with you? Had Peter been closer to Jesus that day and not following at a distance, I don't think he would have denied him. Had he just been physically close, I don't think he would have denied him. Why do I say that? Because remember when they came into the garden to arrest Jesus, it was Peter that took out his sword, remember? And he took out the guy's ear, remember that? And a lot of times I said, well, how did he, you know, how did he get the guy's ear? Well, I, I began to think, I think, I think he was going for the head and the guy went like this and his ear came off. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people always think he went like that. No, that he would have cut his shoulder. I, I think he was going for the head. He was so close to Jesus. He was physically close. Like you're not getting, you're not getting, you're not, you're not going to arrest him. Get back. And he took out his sword. And, and was very, was going for the head. The guy probably again, this is, I'm just saying, okay. And the ear came off. Now here, here's the amazing thing about it. That Jesus basically, he got the ear and he said, Peter, we're not, we're not doing that today. We're not, we're not. And he put the guy's ear and, and, and basically said in my name, because not in Jesus name, that's his name, right? He just said my name and, and basically plopped that ear right back on that guy. I did, did a miracle just like that. I said, Peter, we're not doing that today. But, but I begin to think about how close he was physically. His intimacy there caused him to be more committed. Are you hearing me? Called him to stand up to Jesus. Whereas when he was at a distance, 
it became more easier to betray Jesus and deny Jesus. See, sometimes the farther we are away from God, the more distant we are, the more willing you are to compromise and deny who Jesus is. Now, I'm not just talking about physical distance. I'm talking about being distant in your heart. We can be in church and sometimes in our heart be very, very far, far away from God. Peter stumbled in his denial because he, fought, he was following Jesus from a distance. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 58. And so here he is. He followed Jesus at a distance. He sat in the courtyard of the high priest's palace. He went and sat down with the, the servants to see what was going to happen to Jesus, right? And as Peter was sitting in the courtyard, a servant girl came up to him and said, you, the servant girl recognized him and said, you were with Jesus of Galilee, weren't you? But standing there in front of everyone, Peter denied it. I don't even know what you're talking about. Oh, man, you a liar. Think about this. Peter had spent three and a half years with Jesus, and now he says, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know. What what do you mean? Not me. See, when the rubber meets the road, when the pressure is on, you're like a sponge, man. You're like a little birdie. You start singing, right? All of a sudden, man, when your pressure's on, we're going to find out what's really inside of you. We're going to find out what you really feel. And he says, I don't even know him. I don't know what you're talking about. And this could be a lot of us today. When we get around people, we don't want people to know that we're a Christian. We don't want people to know that we even go to church. We'll deny Jesus because we're worried about what other people think. Could it be that Peter was worried about what everybody was going to say? Obviously, he was worried about his life, and he's worried about what they're going to think. He said, no, I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Because he was following Jesus from a distance. He was following Jesus from a distance rather than close, and it set him up for failure. When you deny Christ in front of other people, you are setting yourselves up for failure. How many people at your job know that you're a Christian? How many family members know that you're a Christian? Whose opinion matters more, God's opinion or people's opinion? When you're worried more about what people think than what God thinks, you're following Jesus from a distance. This is exactly Peter. He was worried about what they were all going to think. What they're all he goes, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know him. What do you mean? And, and I want you to ask yourself, why are you a coward sometimes when it comes to Christianity? Why are you a coward to say, I'm a believer, I go to church? Until you figure that out, man, you're going to keep stumbling. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs 29, 25. It is a dangerous trap to be concerned with what other people think of you. But if you trust the Lord, what? You'll be safe. You'll be safe. Let's read the rest of it here. Matthew 26, verse 71. Then he went out of the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow, she's pointing him out was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. 
And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely, hold on a second, man. You're one of them. Your accent gives you away. You've been with this guy. And then they look what it says in, uh, uh, um, in, in, the, in the very next verse. It says, a little, a little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter. You must be one of them. We can tell by your Galilean, Galilean accent. And Peter swore, and this is what he said, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. And immediately what? The rooster crowed. He's saying, man, if I'm lying, I'm dying, man. If I'm lying right now, let a curse fall upon me. If I'm lying, man, let God judge me right now. Man, this guy is lying through his teeth. He's swearing that I don't know him. And can I just tell you, Peter is not fooling anybody. He's just fooling himself. There's a lot of people today, they're following Jesus at a distance. They're not fooling anybody. They're fooling themselves. You ever talk to somebody, hey, do you know, yeah, I love God, you know, me and God, we're good. Don't judge me. Brother, you're so far, my God, you don't even, you don't, you're not even, you don't even know who God is. It's just all a head thing. They don't have any relationship with God. They're, they're so far from God. And, and I'm, I'm just going to tell you, Peter was only fooling himself. And I've got to say this respectfully, the only person you're fooling sometimes is yourself. You say, I can quit anytime. Who are you fooling? If you could, you would have. I can quit drinking. I can quit doing this. I can quit having a bad eye. If you could, you would have. You're fooling yourself. Oh, my marriage is fine. I'm okay. Yeah, your wife's crying half the time. She doesn't want to be. Man, who, are you, who are you lying to? Who are you lying to? Three times he denied Jesus. And the Bible says, the rooster crowed. Now, here's the heartbreaking. The book of Luke gives us another highlight or another insight as to what happened that night. Because the Bible said in the book of Luke, chapter 22, it gives us another angle. And it said, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. So it could be that when Peter denied the Lord the third time, that they were probably bringing Jesus out of the house in a procession, moving him. And so he denied, I swear, let there be an oath. And then he turned, and then Jesus looks at him. And could you imagine Jesus' face is probably bleeding? Jesus' face is probably bruised up, and he's looking straight at him. And, and, and you could imagine the brokenness that was there. The Bible said, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, the, what the Lord has spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And what did it say? Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, this is where restoration takes place. When was the last time the weight of sinfulness became so real in your life? That you wept bitterly before God. When was the last time you even wept at the altar? You know, it's just, it's just kind of strange. I, I, I remember being in church, people would weep at the altar all the time. Today, people hardly, people hardly even, uh, last week I was begging you guys to come to the, the altar. Would you just come? Can I just pray for you? And just so dishonest, like, no, I'm okay. Why are you, so, why, why are you doing that? Why do you want to be so, man, I would be running to the altar. 
I, I would be wanting, sometimes I just come to the altar just to come to the altar. God, there, there's something in my life. I just need you to touch me. I don't know what it is, but show me, God. I'm, I'm at the altar. The altar is just a regular thing. When at the altar, your heart gets altered. Your life gets altered. Things get altered in your life. Things that need to get a little bit of uh, changing in your life. Now, he wept bitterly because he was willing to admit uh, repentance. You know what repentance is? Turn from your ways. A lot of people, what they experience is remorse. They're remorseful for their sins because they got caught, not because they're turning or changing their mind. I don't want to be remorseful. I want to be repentive. Are you hearing me? I don't want to just be sad because I got caught. I want to be able to say, Lord, I repent and I'm turning to you. I'm convicted enough because I've been following you from a distance. God, let me draw closer to you. Say say amen, somebody. I want to draw closer to you today. And so today, I believe God wants us to be honest. God wants us to be honest. David wrote a powerful powerful verse of scripture when he committed adultery and he finally confessed it to God. He said the sacrifice God wants is the broken and contrite spirit. God will not reject a humble and repentant heart. He's saying God is looking for humility, contriteness. He's looking for a broken heart to say, God, you know what? I failed you. I've made a wrong decision. I don't think I'm the captain of my soul anymore. I don't think I'm the manager of the universe anymore. I don't think I have it all figured out anymore. God, I need redemption. I need your help. God, turn my heart. Change my heart. Make me a new person. How many would pray that prayer this morning? See, when I look at Peter's life, I see a man that had felt God, but I also see a man that found his place in repentance. And I don't have time to go in through all of it, but the Bible says after Jesus was crucified and he rose again, then John chapter 21, you could read it. It was uh, Peter is out there fishing again, and Jesus meets him on the shoreline, and he tells Peter, feed my sheep. And it's at that moment where God, where Jesus is speaking to him and basically says, feed my sheep. In other words, Peter would later on, most of us know that later on would be the first one in the book of Acts to stand up and preach a gospel. And he preaches repentance. Who better qualified than a person that experienced repentance could preach repentance? A person who had experienced failure can preach on God turning things around. See, let me just tell you this. Failure is not an event or is an event, not a person. Failure does not mean permanent. Failure is not permanent. Failure is not fatal. You got to be, have the courage to keep moving on. And I'm going to say this again. Never put a period where God puts a comma. Did you hear me? Because sometimes a lot of us stop where our failure is and say, oh, that's it, man, I don't have a chance. I'll never get right. I'll never do all. Man, I'm going to just tell you, failure is not fatal. It is not permanent. We serve a God of redemption. We serve a God of restoration. We serve a God that loves us and will use us again. How many can say amen? And it's at that point where we need to say, God, I want to make it right today. 
God, I've made some bad decisions. God, I've neglected some areas in my life. God, I've, I've gone astray. Lord, I've been at a distance. Here's the thing about this whole thing, and I'm going to just kind of bring it to a close here. Jesus knew ahead of time that Peter was going to fail him. Again, he already knew. In fact, if you look in Scripture, the Bible says that Jesus even confronts Peter and tells him, Peter, Satan has desired to shift you as wheat. He goes, but I prayed for you, is what, Peter, what Jesus said. He goes, but when you turn back, you're going to strengthen your brothers again. That's Luke 22, verse 32. You're going to strengthen them. When you come back to me, you're going to be the strength. So here's what I say to all of you today. If you failed God, and all of us have, if we've done wrong, if we repent and get restored, get redeemed, and now let that be used to strengthen your brethren, help other people today. All of us this morning, we need that redemption in our lives. I don't know about you, man, but I want to get as close to God as I can. What I've learned, I've said this before the last couple of weeks, I've said, man, what I've learned in 2020 and in 2021, the church is essential. We need to gather. We need a place, friend, where we can worship, where we can declare the praises of God. And I tell you, when we come to the house of God, we need to be eager, man. As soon as the door is open, we need to be excited. Because I, I remember what it was like when the doors weren't open. Man, I remember. We had to shut the doors right from the beginning. I remember. We didn't know what we were dealing with. We didn't understand it all. And then we begin to realize, no, we, we got to open the doors. People are suffering, man. They're, they're, they're going through anxiety. And, and I remember when we first opened it, man, people were up in the front. People were up here excited. Let's not lose that again. Let's get back and say, God, give me back that fire. Give me back that zeal. Give me back, Lord, remind me again of what you've done. God, give me back that gratefulness and thankfulness of your grace and redemption today. So let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. So, Father, we pray all over this room. I pray for the people of God and those that are listening, so many that are watching online, God, today. Father, I pray today we don't want to follow you from a distance. We don't want to overestimate our strength today. God, thinking we're more than we really are. God, we need your grace. We need your love today. God, help us, Father, today to be honest. To be honest about ourselves. To be honest about where we're at. Because, God, we're only lying to ourselves. We're not lying to you. You know everything about us. You know exactly what we're thinking and exactly what's happening in our lives right now. And so, God, we're only fooling ourselves. So I pray today, God, that we'll just be honest this morning. I pray the people of God will be honest in this room. In the name of Jesus. Let's just keep our head bowed, our eyes closed for just a moment. And... Uh, believers, Christians, just praying quietly there. If you're in this room or maybe just watching online and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, you've never given your life to the Lord today, I, I want to just invite you. I want to give you an invitation today to give your life to the Lord. That God cares about you. But here's what it's going to take. You're going to have to be honest about your life. 
because you can walk around thinking you got it all together and I'm telling you that's not going to get you anywhere with God God loves the person that humbles himself the Bible says he draw close to those that are humble but he's distant from those that are prideful but he draws to those that are humble man that say hey God I need you in my life come in my life today and so if you're in this room right now or you're listening online God loves you he's reaching out to you in fact you're here today maybe someone invited you maybe you came on your own but I, all in all I want to say to you that God set it up for you to be here today it's too coincidental to be a coincidence today that you're here today and you're hearing this message and you know this message is for you you know God's speaking to you right now but you're going to say I'm okay I'm all right I'm telling you today God brought you here today because he's reaching out to you he loves you cares about you wants to come in your life I can't tell you how much man he loves you and you can experience his love his grace his forgiveness all you need to do is be honest say you know what pastor I need God in my life I need Jesus in my life pastor I really need the Lord in my life what the greatest New Year's thing that you could do, the greatest resolution you can do today is give your life to Jesus in 2022. Get right with God today. Be honest with God. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. If that's you, with every head bowed, every eye closed, say, Pastor, I need God in my life. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone here right now? Say, you know what? I just need the Lord in my life. Would you pray for me? This young lady here, God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? You say, that's me. That's me. I need the Lord in my life. Somebody else somewhere? Just raise your hand. Amen. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Let me know today. Say, I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God today. I need Jesus in my life. Is there anybody else right now? You'd raise your hand. Say, that's me. I need God in my life today. You're, you're following God at a distance. You know you're not close with God. You know you're not even walking with God. You may have some head knowledge. But he's not in your heart. He's not in your life. You're not serving the Lord today. And today I want to give you the... I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to give you an opportunity. Just like Peter had that opportunity. He realized, man, I felt God. But he repented. He turned. Made a U-turn. And said, God, I need you. And you know what? Jesus forgave him. Jesus restored him. That's the kind of God we serve. He wants to restore. He wants to redeem you. He loves you today. That's what I'm making the point of redemption. That he doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to help you. But you got to be honest today. Say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Is there anyone else right now? Say, that's me. That's me. Man, God's speaking to me. Come on. Let go of the pride. Say, that's me right now. I need God in my life right now. Somebody else? Somebody else over here on my right. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You can put your hand down. Is there anybody else right now? Anybody else? I don't want you to miss out on this opportunity today. Because I believe God's here. He, he's reaching out to people. Maybe you were once serving God. You were once walking with God. But you're away from God today. You're at a distance. You're way at a distance. And you need to return to the Lord today. Raise your hand. Is there anybody else right now? You say, that's me. That's me. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to shame people. I want to pray with you today. I want God to come in your life. I want you to experience his love and his forgiveness today. 
the redeeming power of God right now. Is there anybody else right now? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You raise your hand. Look up at me real quick. Look up at me. You mean that? You mean that? Right over here. You mean that? All right. We, 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 why don't we all stand together? If you raise your hand, why don't you come? Amen. I think this young lady over here, she raised her hand. That young man. Why don't you guys come and pray? Come on. Let's be excited for them today. Why don't you pray with them right there? Anybody else? Pray with them right here. Amen. I'd like someone to pray with this young lady here. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. How are you doing? God bless you. Deborah is going to pray with you right there. Okay. Amen. She's going to pray with you. Isn't that powerful day? People giving their life to the Lord. Anybody else? Anybody else today? You say, man, I need the Lord in my life. You come. You come. And we'll make sure today someone prays with you. They're going to lead us in a worship. And then I'm going to open this altar. Amen. If you want to come, you can come right now. But I'm going to open this altar. But go ahead and lead us. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com slash give.